And welcome back to the Palace of Pistons podcast. Aaron Johnson sitting in for the usual host, Mike Anguiano. He's out this week. I am hosting this week, and we have a very special guest. Josh Eberly of Hoop Mag is joining me here today. Josh, first off, thanks for joining me, and how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep up. The updates are coming fast and quick this morning. They, they always do. Free agency, uh coming here it's july or excuse me june 28th when we're recording this in the it's the afternoon we got Woj updates coming every few minutes uh free agency starts on july 1st but free agency's really already started we both know that and there's so much to get into some of these topics that we're going to discuss today they've already been hit on so much so we won't go into too much detail with them um, but some of the other ones will be pretty interesting to talk about first things first you got to get to the biggest name of the summer uh, obviously he goes how free agency goes he's going to dictate how the free agency period goes and that's lebron james uh he's an unrestricted free agent a lot of talk about different teams he could go to josh where do you think that lebron will land this offseason <sighs> you know i things change quick i mean they, they always change quick in this league but it, it feels like los angeles um it feels like lebron has more or less convinced himself that Los Angeles is the place to be, and he is just waiting for the situation to materialize to a level where he's comfortable to make that official. Like I, I think, you know, if you're in his circle, if you've been following things clearly, I think this is where his family wants to be. I think this is where his brand wants to be. They're just waiting for that Paul George, that Kawhi Leonard, that Chris Paul, whoever it's going to be, to to, to commit and and be there with him. Yeah, I think that I think that's where he's going to end up too. Uh, Los Angeles just kind of makes the most sense after all these years. The Lakers have made it known that they're trying to acquire multiple superstars this offseason. Another name that comes up alongside LeBron James, there's actually a couple names. Uh, Paul George, who's a free agent this offseason, and Kawhi Leonard, what's going to happen with him? And with the Spurs, he's obviously requested a trade from San Antonio. Do you think either of those guys are going to be joining LeBron in Los Angeles, or uh, are they are they headed elsewhere this offseason? You know what, like... It's, it's still, I, I can't really say either way. I mean, both of those guys are very much up in the air. Like, I, I think I'm actually leaning towards George going back to Oklahoma City at this point. Like, that's been what's reported. I do think him and Russell Westbrook got on well this year. He supported him at every turn. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I do think that that team has enough talent to be competitive if you can ever get Russell Westbrook to change his mentality, which is an entire other conversation, and it probably won't happen, but... So I, I think I would lean, you know, 51% OKC, 49 Los Angeles. So I, I would be a little bit even more confident for Oklahoma City if he wasn't doing the Sports Center documentary right. thing, which could very, very, very much be like, a, I don't know, a smokescreen or a fan appeasement tool where he's like, oh, man, I really wanted to stay in OKC. It was so tough. But also, like, since I was a kid, Los Angeles has been home, and then maybe people cut him some slack for doing that the one-year bounce. So, you know, I'll say 51 OKC, 49 Lakers up in the air there. Kawhi, I would say I'm closer to 65 Lakers, 35 somewhere else. Like, I, honestly, let, let, like, let's walk through it. Boston has the best best package to offer. You know, let's start at the top. If they offered Tatum, it would get done right now. But they're not going to do that. You know, if they offered some combination of Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown, it would get done. I don't know if they're going to do that. 
it, it, it's coming down to Danny Ainge has a team that went to the conference finals that should have been the finals. No excuses. They were up in that series 2-0. They were up in that series 3-2. This Boston Celtics team should have been in the finals without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. You know, if you, if you think Tatum gets a bit better, if you think Rozier gets a bit better, if you're going to be able to keep smart, you know, Kyrie and Hayward come back, you have a team that you think can go to the finals and possibly win a championship. And the risk of bringing Kawhi, who bounces after one year, you know, I, I think he's fine. Injuries aside, is scary. And I understand that if you're Ainge and, you know, you've been a guy who's, you know, historically pretty tight-fisted, you, you're not going to risk it all and trade some mega package to get a guy when you think you have that team already, unless, you know, the only way this happens is if Pop really likes, say, Brown and Rozier, and then they throw in Marcus Morris and a pick or whatever to make it work. If there's a deal that's feasible, it'll happen. But I just think that the Celtics aren't in a position where they need to go all out. You know, then we walk to Philadelphia, who I think is still the dark horse here. I think Philadelphia can make a legit package around Robert Covington, Markel Fultz, Darius Sarge, you know, the 2021 pick that they have from the Heat. Like, I think they have an offer, but they have to decide how committed they are. And uh, I guess it'll depend on how much Greg Popovich values a guy like Markel Fultz. The Lakers' godfather offer that, that Wojnarowski has mentioned, you know, maybe they do offer Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, Kuzma and a couple picks, but I still think the Lakers have the least exciting uh, package there. It's just whether, whether those other two teams are willing to jump, and I don't know that they will be. So I think Lakers still a favorite. Yeah, I think that Paul George is going to go back to OKC pretty much for the reasons that you mentioned. Um and the money there. You're going to get more money in Oklahoma City than you are with any other team. And I think just that you were comfortable last year. He grew comfortable last year playing alongside Russell Westbrook. He said that he likes Russell Westbrook. He likes uh, Billy Donovan. He likes Sam Presley. He likes that franchise. I think it makes the most sense for him to go back to Oklahoma City. And I agree with you again with Kawhi Leonard's best chances of uh, going to another team. They're in Los Angeles. What I would really like to see, I'd like to see him go to Boston. I think that that's would be make just an absolutely great team as long as you can hold on to Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum. Then you can move uh, Jalen Brown. Maybe Gordon Hayward has to get thrown into the deal as well. But they also have some other assets they can move. They can still try to trade Terry Rozier, and maybe San Antonio is going to be could be able to lock him up long term uh, in in the offseason next year. I, I really think Kawhi would just fit in with that Boston team. Brad Stevens would obviously. Just make him a great player in that in, in what he runs in that system, um, and I think him and Kyrie Irving as a duo would be absolutely fun. You have Irving, who's just an outstanding offensive player, a, a maestro with the basketball in his hands. Kawhi is very good on offense himself, but we know of him as the claw, a defensive stopper, the best defensive player in the game alongside Draymond Green, and I think that makes Boston a an, a title contender. I think Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard, Al Horford insert another starter you know you're still going to have uh, a couple guys up from that bench group of last year still there whether you re-sign Marcus Smart uh, if you're able to hold on to Marcus Morris in the trade Daniel Theis is coming back from his injury so you're going to have guys left uh, they're still planning on re-signing Aaron Baines I think that team could really compete with Golden State and, and Houston in the west uh, you know in a finals matchup uh, but I think it, it's it's going to be the Lakers that put together the the package that Greg Popovich and, and then the San Antonio Spurs decide to, to deal with. Um, I think Lonzo Ball could be involved in the trade. I'm not sure if you think the Lakers would move from him. Um, but I think the Lakers are going to have to make a really big trade. Uh, and I think it could include Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, uh, Jul- uh, not Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma, guys of that stature. Because, and I forget who reported it earlier, but 
Um, LeBron wants to get uh, done with free agency soon, and I'm not sure how likely it is that he's going to join a Lakers team that doesn't have a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard already on that roster. I'm not sure how comfortable he's going to be joining a roster with just young guys. Um, so that'll be really interesting to, to see play out um, uh, you know, in these next few days. But I think Kawhi Leonard's uh, going to go to the Lakers, and um, Paul George is going to remain in Oklahoma City. But we still got one other top-tier free agent to talk about, and that's DeMarcus Cousins, who has a really interesting situation brewing in New Orleans. Um, the Pelicans were about a 500 team. Uh, a little bit over, I think, with DeMarcus Cousins playing. Then he suffered that season-ending uh, injury, and the Pelicans took off. They were great uh, to end the season. They swept the Portland Trailblazers in the first round of the NBA playoff, playing a fast-paced, energetic style of basketball, led by Anthony Davis uh, being the five, and Nikola Mirotic, who they acquired in a trade with the Chicago Bulls, spacing the floor at power forward. Drew Holiday played really well, and we just saw a New Orleans Pelicans team that was clicking on all cylinders. And now the talk is, is DeMarcus Cousins worth retaining? Should they dole out max money to a guy coming off of a an injury uh, that doesn't fare well with most players, especially big men? Uh, he's already 27, 28 years old, so you're going to be paying him into his 30s with that injury. And they played better with him off the court last year. Do you think New Orleans is going to make a play there for DeMarcus Cousins? Are they going to try to uh, make a make a deal with him? Are they going to hope the market kind of suffocates itself out with Dallas going after a couple other different big men and some teams like that? Um, maybe stay away from DeMarcus Cousins, so maybe they're one of the, only one or two teams that decide they really want to offer him. Uh, is a return in New Orleans happening for Cousins? Yeah, I, have, I actually have a lot of a lot of thoughts on DeMarcus Cousins and he's the guy he's not really getting talked about in the free agency you know free agent class with LeBron James and Paul George and technically Kevin Durant and Chris Paul for understandable reasons but there's there's a few things here one I think that the Pelicans want to trade him they want to sign and trade him for the Otto Porter they want to sign and trade him for the Chris Middleton they want to sign and trade him for a wing which they badly badly need because they looked at this team and, and they, they know that they are probably a better and more sustainable model with Davis at the five running a faster-paced offense. I, I think that, that that is what it is. That being said, they don't want to lose him for nothing. Um, you know, he has this – the ruptured Achilles is, is, is no joke. You mentioned, even for big, for especially for big men. You do, I don't think they want to offer him the max to stay. And if they can't find a trading partner, I think they'll be hesitant to do that, but they don't want to let him walk. So I think it could be – and I feel bad for DeMarcus Cousins because they were on a great eight-game run before he got hurt. And, you know, things were going well. And now he's in a really tough position where there's not a lot of money this offseason. Dallas is apparently going for DeAndre Jordan for other reasons I don't really understand. Um so, so here's the thing. I think there's a dark horse here where the Pelicans sit on, on DeMarcus Cousins and, you know, they twiddle their thumbs and Boogie gets frustrated and the Lakers don't hit on both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and the Lakers, you know, at that point call DeMarcus Cousins and salvage their offseason by bringing him in. And he's not a name that's really been linked to the Lakers at all, but I, I think there's a real opportunity where if they miss on their three-wing dream here, He's someone who get involved in that package, and I think that the Pelicans, if a signing trade was needed, would be very interested in a Brandon Ingram coming back. That's that's interesting. Um, this is actually going to be the first time I've disagreed with you so far. I think we've picked the same players going to these destinations: LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George. We all agreed on where they we think they're headed, but 
I kind of want New Orleans to re-sign DeMarcus Cousins and hold on to him. Average 25 points uh, per game, 13 rebounds per game, 5 assists, over 5 assists in 48 games played last year. Uh, They were really starting to play better uh, right before DeMarcus Cousins went down. And whoever they get in a sign-and-trade for Cousins, I don't think he's going to equal out in value uh, to what Cousins is. Whether it be an auto porter who you're still paying max money to on a bloated contract, um, for even as good of a player as he is, that's still a lot of money to be paying him. Um, Chris Middleton is a good wing, great two-way player, but he doesn't move the needle for New Orleans. I think you kind of got to go against the grain and stick with that two-big-man kind of style that they've been playing with. You can move Nikola Mirotic to the bench. You can play in that six-man role. Uh, you can stagger DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. I think you got to fi- try to figure out a way to make it work, and then if it really isn't going to work, then you can try to trade DeMarcus Cousins, let him you know, show that he can play basketball, show that he's still a, one of the better centers in the NBA. I'm not sure if he can get back to being that top one or two center in the league uh, after this injury, but if he can still be a top five, top seven center, let him work his trade value up. I don't know if Cousins is going to get a max in this market. We've, we've both talked about how the money is just really tight this offseason, so I'm not sure if a max contract is going to be there for him. It'll still be an expensive contract. I don't think there's much question about that. Um, but New Orleans might be able to get him for under the max, even if it's a short-term deal to see, is your ankle okay? If it is, maybe it's a two-year deal. Then we'll hit you with the max uh, well, in a couple of years. There's a couple things here, and like you, you bring up the other side, and I'm glad we disagree on something for the listeners here. But 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 here are my worries. Okay, you you bring him back on, you know, a two year deal, like a two year max, and you don't invest that money in. If his if he's not the same player, you aren't getting that value for him. Like Otto Porter is no longer on the market for Demarcus Cousins if he comes back and doesn't look great, which is a risk. Two, if you try to stagger him and he feels like his role has been reduced, and he falls into the 25-minute range, or he's feeling disrespected not closing games, or this is one of the more temperamental players in the NBA. I'm That's not, true. You know, we don't need to paint him as anything other than that. He's an emotional, competitive guy, and I don't know that DeMarcus Cousins is someone who humbly accepts you know, his role, whether it's because they want to play more fast-paced and run Nico more with Davis, or because he's not quite right, or whatever, but then you have a locker room nightmare on your hands where he's just not happy with where he is, and yet his value isn't where it should be. And then you also mentioned that Otto Porter's contract is bloated and it's not fair value. Well, I would contend here as well that I would rather have a 3 and D wing above the curve than an elite center who has to play slow, turns the ball over, and you know has the baggage that DeMarcus Cousins has. DeMarcus Cousins is a better basketball player than Otto Porter Jr., I don't think he helps you win more basketball games than Otto Porter Jr. in most systems. And, and this system can't be about him. So I, I honestly think Otto Porter with Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis and, and Nico, Nico Mirotic actually helps the Pelicans win more games and be more competitive than bringing Boogie back. So it, it's interesting. We're very split on this one. Yeah, I think, I think that is a good point. Obviously, Otto Porter is a really good fit in New Orleans just because of the style of basketball he plays, the 3 and D wing. I think that would be a really good defense in New Orleans with him, Holiday, and Davis. Um, but another 
another point that kind of leans me towards New Orleans re-signing DeMarcus Cousins is the relationship he has with some of those guys on the team. We know Anthony Davis wants DeMarcus Cousins back. Uh, him and Rajon Rondo have history together in Sacramento and New Orleans, so I think he has good relationships with the guys there. I think that could also play a factor into New Orleans trying to bring him back. Um, but I think what you said is fair. Obviously, in today's NBA, spacing and, and defense is super important, and moving with pace is really important. And Porter does that more than DeMarcus Cousins does. Um, so I think I think that would be a, a, a kind of an interesting thing to, to watch play out. It's kind of like you wish you could see it, and then if it didn't work, you know, go back to DeMarcus Cousins being on the team. So uh, I guess we'll have to see how that one plays out. So you think he's he's going elsewhere. I think he's going back to New Orleans. But... Uh, sticking with big men, we got to move on to Demar, uh, not Demarcus Cousins, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, we uh, talked about him. Do we earlier. have to? We do. We <laughs> do because this is an interesting situation, a really interesting situation on where he could end up. Um, Jordan is probably opting out of the contract in Los Angeles. I think that's pretty fair, uh, which means he's going to be an option for teams in the open market, pushing thirty years old. And he's going to be looking for a heavy contract, a big contract. We've seen the Dallas Mavericks link to him, among other teams. Where do you think Jordan ends up? And uh, I do want to talk about his potential deal with the Dallas Mavericks because I think that is an absolutely atrocious fit for both sides. Yeah, uh, I hate it. Like I hate it. I'm, I like for those that don't know, I am a Dallas Mavericks fan, and I, I hate this move for Dallas. I got a call him coming out on Monday about the Mavericks on Hoop Mix, so I, I'll plug a little bit about that, but. Here, here's the skinny of it, right? Here's the short skinny. They have history that is not, not great. I don't like that as, you know, as a fan. I don't think that's the kind of relationship that you want to – you know, we've seen so many relationships sour. Look at Nerlens Noel the last year. Look at Rajon Rondo. Look at Monte Ellis in Dallas over the last 70 years. I don't think starting a, a relationship in the way that Jordan and the Mavericks would be is ideal. Um, so there's that. Two – you know, you bring in Luka Doncic. You know, you're, you're building around Dennis Smith Jr., Jalen Brunson, Harrison Barnes. That core is 25 and under. You know, you're bringing a 30, 31-year-old center now. Uh, I, I don't know how that fits long-term. Like, I know the Mavericks want to get back to the playoffs next year. And maybe with him and maybe with this unit, if they if they really come together and Rick Carlisle does some magic, they're a 7 or 8 seed. But then what? Because, you know, Jordan doesn't have five years to run with this group as, as it grows. I would rather they, they, they roll the dice on, on Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins. Take a chance on that. Achilles, I think you can play slow with the, with the guys that Dallas has there. You can let Luka and, and DeMarcus play a two-man game in the half court. You know, Dennis Smith Jr. can push the tempo when, when Boogie's out. Um, I would rather see that. I would rather they go for a non-traditional center, and Aaron Gordon, who's an elite athlete, and I think can play you know, 20, 25 minutes in that role. I would rather they go for Clint Capella. In the max yes, offer sheet, I'd rather yes. Julius Randle. I like literally DeAndre Jordan would be my. I would rather they go for Dwight Howard on the buyout on a one-year, you know, ten million dollar prove it to me deal than DeAndre Jordan. I, Honestly, I, I just think it's a bad place to tie up money. I agree one hundred percent with everything you just said. I don't think there's a fit in Dallas for DeAndre Jordan whatsoever. And the biggest thing that jumps off to uh, jumps out to me is the age. He's going to be 30 years old, and you're going to be paying him probably $20, 20-plus million annually. I wouldn't want to be doing that for Dallas's timeline. I was getting ready to ask you, uh, because of your DeMarcus Cousins answer in the last question, who, you, who would you have Dallas rather sign between Cousins and Jordan? So, But you already answered that. I don't think Jordan's a good fit there at all. Um, I think he needs to go. 
uh, to a team that is more of a veteran system right now. Um, who that team is right now, I'm not really sure. I don't know of a lot of teams that are trying to sign DeAndre Jordan for a big long-term contract um, because Jordan kind of falls into that. You don't know if you can play him against fast-paced teams. Obviously, he's a really good defensive center, but is he going to get just get run off the floor by smaller players, by faster players? Um, I don't really know, you know? So I don't think you should go to Dallas whatsoever, but Dallas... Dallas and DeMarcus Cousins or Dallas and Clint Capella I think are really good fits. And we could talk about Clint Capella here first because I wanted to get into this rather interesting restricted free agency market. Um, there's a lot of a lot of like mid-level, above-average um, free agents that are restricted free agents. Uh, you have Aaron Gordon, Jabari Parker, Marcus Smart, Clint Capella. Um, who are some of these guys? Where do you see some of these guys fitting? Where do we see some of these guys going? We'll start with Clint Capella. Um, is he? You think Dallas is going to make a big play for him? Does Houston match that offer? Or is Houston just going to sign him outright? Or could another team come into the fold here? Yeah, you know what? Like it felt like if if there was a venue where LeBron was seriously considering Houston, or like Paul George was possibly in the works, then maybe Clint Capella could be going somewhere else. But I just I think with where you know what we've heard. You know, and the lack of things that we've heard about that, that the Rockets are probably just going to resign him. Um, you know, if Dallas offered him the max offer sheet, you know, it might make them pause a half second, but they're they're not gonna they're not gonna sign Chris Paul to a max, you know, at his age and run it back without Clint. Like they need Clint to do the things that they did. He works so well with both Chris Paul and James Harden. I, I think more likely than not, he stays with the Rockets. However, like if there was some situation where they were hesitant. And Dallas doesn't throw out that offer sheet, and they get Jordan instead of Capella. Like getting Capella's twofold. I mean, I think he's a better fit. Uh, I think he's a better player right now in this moment, and he's younger. He fits with his core long term. And then you, you you chip away at Houston. So I, I think that's the play, and you have to do that. You have, you almost it's almost like doing your due diligence. You know, like thirty teams call for LeBron James in free agency. If you're the Dallas Mavericks. The, the correct strategical play is to throw Clinton off her sheet before you do anything with Jordan or anyone else. I, I honestly think that's the best move. Yeah, I heard LeBron was interested in coming to Detroit. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned Aaron Gordon. I think he's pretty much a lock to stay in Orlando, but I think you could see some other mid-market teams or you know teams with some cap space uh, try to go after DeAndre Jordan. One team that Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN just tweeted out a little bit ago was the Indiana Pacers. Uh, and Indiana's been a name coming up with a lot of those these restricted free agents, but Aaron Gordon, is he headed back to Orlando most likely? Do you think they're going to match anything he gets? Um, and does he still fit with, with that building core uh, with Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba in Orlando? No. I mean, honestly, like look, look at players who aren't in Orlando. Like Look at Tobias Harris flourishing this last couple of years. Um, <laughs> look at Victor Oladipo this year. I mean, guys. Guys are better when they're not there, and this is this has been a dumb organization for some time. Uh, you know, they shouldn't even have the keys to a franchise. They've been that bad over the last seven years. No one has been worse at developing talent, including the Sacramento Kings. Like they've been, they've been the laughing stock of the NBA. And I, I don't want to, you know, bang on, you know, Jonathan Isaac, and you know, hopefully him and Mo Bamba or something. But you have like. $30 million committed this year to Bismack Biombo and Nikola Vucevic. Then you have Mo Bamba 
and you have Jonathan Isaac. Like, where are you playing Aaron Gordon? You played him at small forward. It was a disaster. This guy can guard guys one to five. He's a freak athlete. He's added a shot. You know, he should be the guy that you're building around and committed to, and yet no move that the Magic have made over the last two years, regardless of management, has said that. So I think, you know, it's ideal for Aaron Gordon to get out of there. I think he would be an excellent fit with Oladipo and uh, Miles Turner in Indiana. I I don't think that the Magic are going to let him go because they can't quite do that, but the fact that it's even an option just tells me how ill-equipped they are to run a franchise. I think that Gordon is a good player, but I'm not sure if he's good enough to give more than 15 to $18 million to a year. With that being said, he's probably, he could command more on, on the market. There might be a team that throws a big offer sheet at him. You could see a team like Brooklyn who has cap, sa- cap space and power forward is probably their weakest position right now. You could see them come into player. I think that would be uh, an interesting move for them. Uh, you mentioned Dallas earlier. Indiana's in play. I think there's so those teams could could make runs at Aaron Gordon. Uh, maybe Phoenix can try to muster up a little bit more cap space to make a push at him. I don't think Dragon Bender or Marquise Chris are really good um, young options. I don't think they've shown enough in two years. I know Bender was hurt his most of his rookie season to really. I don't think they've shown enough to say, well, if we're going to get this good of a player in Aaron Gordon, a guy that Orlando should have been building around, I don't think you know they really matter that much in the scheme of things. Uh, I guess Sacramento's another team, even though I think Aaron Gordon going from Orlando to Sacramento would just be, I, I feel really bad for him. I hope he doesn't you know sign an offer sheet with them. Uh, but there's there's those are those are most of the teams that have cap space availability. Ultimately, Aaron Gordon most likely is heading back to Orlando. I think. Uh, it'd be really interesting, though, to see him go play in Phoenix if Phoenix can muster up that cap space um, because I really, I'm really i starting to like that core that, that Phoenix is putting together, and I think Aaron Gordon would fit into that well. Yeah, I, I think I would rather see Aaron Gordon in, in Indiana because I think he has a chance to be more involved there, and I'm not sure with the pieces that the Suns have. I, I agree with you. I don't really think Chris or Bender is anything special, but... You know, bringing in Josh Jackson, Mikael Bridges, Devin Booker, I think that's three guys from 2-4 already. So, I mean, it's not that you couldn't work Gordon in there. I just think that Gordon and Oladipo would be a solid combination would, playing yeah. fast-paced basketball in Indiana. That lot like, of again, I, I think I don't think Orlando's going to let him go. I really don't. But at the same time, it's just this is why people who put – like, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in NBA parity. I would like to see things get tougher. I'm, I'm of the belief that, you know, certain, certain players – I would like to constrict movement sometimes, especially the stars. But then you see a guy like Gordon who's stuck in Orlando, has been forced to play out of position, who's been disrespected by that management, who hasn't given, been given any chance to develop, who everyone on that franchise who's been there has looked better elsewhere. And you're like, well, this is the argument for player agencies that bad players are ruining or bad teams are ruining good players' careers. And I agree with you. I don't know if Eric Gordon's a superstar, but I think he's a fringe on that fringe all-star level, and you would see that somewhere else. <clears throat> So another forward I want to hit on here is Jabari Parker. And again, kind of like Aaron Gordon, we don't really know for sure what his value is. He's been hurt a lot in Milwaukee. That's obviously dampened his career, his career in the now and his career outlook, what his potential is. I think that Milwaukee is more likely to let him walk than Orlando is to let Aaron Gordon walk. Uh, I know there was a report, a report that came out that said Sacramento was interested in Jabari Parker. 
Do you think he's going back to Milwaukee, or do you think another team's going to come in here and make a big enough offer that Milwaukee says, you know what, it wasn't really working out anyway. We're not going to keep trying. Let's just move on on both sides. Yeah, I think Milwaukee, like, uh, you know, the reports is they're not happy with them. They didn't play him as much as he thought he should have been played. The injuries have been super unfortunate. You know, I said a couple of years ago, I thought his ceiling was that the Harrison Barnes type player, like all of that athleticism and, and, and all that, that skill. He's still a tweener who doesn't play def- great defense. And I think Barnes actually got better in that, that department. But I, I, I don't think he's someone they want to sink a ton of money in. And I don't know that he's someone that really fits in that locker room right now. So I think they're, they're, they're willing to move on. I think him and Marcus Smart both have a chance to, to move somewhere else if someone throws even like a respectable offer their way. Another guy I'd like to see at Phoenix, Marcus Smart. I think you could play Marcus Smart at the one um, because you're going to have Devin Booker having the ball in his hands a little bit. Josh Jackson can do that as well. Uh, I think Smart would be a nice fit there. He would kind of help them mature and develop just with the way he plays. He's a leader. He's gritty. He makes those winning plays. And I don't think you're going to have to break the bank for Smart either. So I think that's another guy for Phoenix that I would take a hard look at and and offer him a nice sheet once free agency begins. Yeah, I, I think he, he's a guy like everyone could use. Like, I, there, there's no team who even like – I know sign-in trades don't happen as often as fans would like them to, but he's a guy where like he – I think he said he wanted $13 mil a year or north of $13 mil yeah, a year. Yeah, And he's, he's not going to get that. Like, he he's not going to get that in this market. Danny Ainge isn't going to pay them him that beyond one year. Um, you know, when he's got Kyrie Irving to worry about the next summer and he's got to decide on Terry Rozier and other things. Uh, I, I think he, but he's a guy at like eight, nine, ten million over a three or four year deal where I think he makes their team better. Like he can run the offense in the second unit. He can play defense one to three. He's the heart and soul of that Celtics team. And I, these are the intangible eye test things that people always rave about. And yet no one's running out to get him is like kind of weird to me. Like I think he's the, he's a testament to all the things, all the cliches and, hyperboles that us writers love so uh, like i would love to see him somebody make him a competitive offer just so that the celtics can't you know stash him on the on the qo or a one plus one or something like that um but yeah i think smart could help a lot of teams in phoenix i think he the only thing about phoenix is like i don't think he's a starting point guard like i don't think he's the guy you don't want a guy playing 35 minutes running your offense who can't shoot so i i don't know if, if him slotting as a starter immediately in phoenix would be great but i think you know, spelling whoever they get at point guard and Booker would be great. So let's hit quickly here on some flyers in free agency. Three names specifically that I want to hit on. Uh, with the first one being Contavious Caldwell Pope signed that big contract, one year deal worth I believe eighteen, nineteen million in Los Angeles last year. Now he's an unrestricted free agent. Doesn't sound like the Lakers are going to be uh, trying to re-sign him. Uh, who's paying him, and what is his value right now? Um. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of value there. Um, the, there was like the for being in Los like Los Angeles is the biggest market and it'll make your brand boom times ten million. Like uh, the guy was going like was in jail while playing for the Lakers last year, and that story got like no play. Like even at the end of the year when we were talking about the craziest things to happen this year with like oh my God. <laughs> with 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 Portis punching his teammates and the can of soup getting thrown and Chris Paul leading the tunnel. Uh, rebellion and, and all of those things, like it didn't even come up. Like Contavious Caldwell Pope was on a work release. He was when they were traveling. He was in the pen, 
and and that that was a non-story. That's a non-factor. So I mean, that's something to consider. But I just I don't think this is a guy who really excites anyone. I think he'll be on like a mid-level deal or maybe even a minimum somewhere. I don't think he's getting paid. Yeah, I think he maxes out at like eight nine million dollars at the most because I don't think I don't think he played well enough to to get the money that he thinks he deserved last year. I'm really glad the Pistons didn't pay him that money. Uh, looking back at it, but. Isaiah Thomas, another Laker, uh, hitting the free agency market. My thoughts: I think Orlando's going to take him. I think Orlando's going to give him. Uh, let's see, let's see what you can do here. If you hit, well, that's great for us. Maybe we can even trade you, try to get some value back, or not. Let's just have you play well here. I think Orlando's a team for Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I think I think so too. I said on my podcast a couple weeks ago, I was just like I'm looking around at who has money and who needs a point guard, and it's like, okay, well he's not going back to Phoenix. <laughs> like that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Orlando Isaiah Thomas is going to go to Orlando on like I don't know five to ten million dollar deal, like a prove it deal, and uh, he's going to be their starting point guard. He's going to take a lot of shots, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe that it that will work. be good for him. It could work. Yeah, we'll hit on one more here. Rodney Hood. Um, obviously, his story is well documented. Didn't didn't play well in Cleveland in his time there. Was told you know was asked to go in during a playoff game in in garbage time said no uh was just put on the bench until games four and five of the nba finals where he got a few minutes uh played well in game four was okay in game five or not game five game three and game four um you know he played okay didn't really do much um in game five and game four played okay in game three uh is there a market for him this summer is he on a minimum kind of prove it to me deal uh I think there there should be a market for them. Like wings, wings are the are the premium. We we, we want guys who are six 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 seven six eight six nine. We want guys that can play both ways. Not that Hood's been great defensively, but I think he has that potential. And I, I think you know what Hood was in a in a rough situation. Like he he's a streaky shooter, streaky scorer. That's been who he was. And he took crap from the fans. He got switched. Everyone for LeBron is like, oh, his team flipped mid year. Like those guys also flipped mid year. Like I think. You know, Larry Nance and Rodney Hood have value beyond what they showed this year, but they were also adjusting to a new situation and going from teams that, you know, weren't really, oh, this is not really fair for Utah, but for Los Angeles, they weren't really competitive and, you know, to a title contender. I, I think Rodney Hood is someone I would take a chance on. Like, if, if you can get him, you know, below the market value on a two- or three-year deal, that, that would be awesome. Like, you know, you get him in there and he doesn't ruin your books, but there's, like, there's so much room for growth. I think that's the kind of guy, it only takes one GM to see something in, in him, and then he comes, has a rebound year, and all of a sudden he's on one of the best deals in the NBA. So I would love to see like a savvy team go for that three-year deal and, and find find him a spot, you know, if not starting, heavily involved in the rotation, and give him a shot. Do it, Atlanta. Um, I want to <laughs> hit on I want to hit on the Pistons here for a minute. They don't have a well-documented free agency whatsoever, so I'm not sure how much you really want to talk about them. I just kind of want to outline, because this is a Pistons podcast, want to outline some key moves for them in free agency. Uh, option num- or the, the biggest thing they need to do is re-sign Anthony Tolliver. They're not making any splashy moves in free agency. I'm sorry, guys. LeBron's really not coming to Detroit. My sources were wrong about that. Um, the biggest thing they need to do is, is re-sign Anthony Tolliver. Played very well last year in Detroit. A leader, a sharpshooter, a good defender, a versatile defender. They need to bring back Anthony Tolliver, and then they need to try to find a cheap wing, uh, a cheap small forward behind Reggie Bullock and, and Stanley Johnson. And if they can find a backup center for somehow uh, on a small deal, that would be great because Eric Moreland just does not cut it for me. Um, 
you know, he's a he's a good defender. He hustles, but he just doesn't do enough. Uh, and I think we saw that last year a fair amount. Um, and when Drummond, Andre Drummond has to sit, you need someone that they can produce at the five. Maybe it's not as big of a worry now with Blake Griffin, who can also play some minutes at the five. Uh, I think it probably goes re-sign Anthony Tolliver, find a cheap wing, find a backup center in that order of importance. Um, but that's really that's all that's going to really happen for Detroit in free agency, unless they somehow get off of Langston Galloway's $7 million a year deal and John Lewis' $10 million a year deal. Um, they're just too cap-strapped to even even think about making a move right now. It's funny. Like, is that where the Pistons are at? Like, oh, you might not want to talk about them. Like, they're they're so down in the dumps. Like, we don't even want to ask guys about the Pistons anymore. Well, man, it's, it's just like you know, the nat- the the national perception of them is pretty low. I still think they're a playoff team next year, but we don't have to get into all that. I just think that for agency wise, they're uh, they're cap situation is well known and it's it's perceived that it's really bad and it is really bad um so i didn't even want to pose that question to you because i i know it's going to be uh something that upsets the the, the listeners of, of of that are pistons fans you know what? I, I think you guys did good with Dwayne Casey. I think Dwayne Casey was the scapegoat and got a raw deal from Toronto. Like no doubt. I think that was a good, good coach, coach, coaching hire. I just don't think this roster makes any sense. I like I. We were talking about Demarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. Now I think in today's NBA, you're better off to have a wing that's above the curve playing three and D than you know two bigs. Um, because, like, it's either a luxury or redundant. And I think, you know, as different as Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin are, I think Blake is probably, you know, for he should be playing the five for 15, 20 minutes a night now. And you have so much money committed to those two guys. And, like, Lord knows what's going on with Reggie Jackson. I mean, like, yeah, what, what moves can this team make? Like, you were talking about the free agency, maybe adding a backup center. It, it's a really, you know, SVG left this team in, in, uh, in a rough spot. Yeah, they are, they are cap-strapped. And they are paying guys that were not even in their rotation last year. They're paying them more than they're paying Reggie Bullock, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. We're going to have to pay, they're going to have to fork over money if they want to keep him. Uh, they got Stanley Johnson's free agency coming up, so they are just in an absolute mess cap wise. And they got at least two more years of Langston Galloway and two more years of John Luer making ten million, ten and a half million. So uh, I don't know how you can end the podcast on a good note talking about that. Uh, well, and the other, I mean, this is not going to help the mood, but like oh, great. <laughs> you look at that, you look at that Blake Griffin contract, and you look at the amount of games he's played the last. If he goes down, like if, if he goes down, like it, it, it just got to be like everyone's sitting there in that arena every time Blake Griffin jumps and like worried because if he if he's hurt, that becomes the worst contract in the NBA. Oh like, yeah, worse than Andrew Wiggins, like worse than anybody else. Like if if he, if he can't, if he gets hurt again, I mean that could be it. And, and man, that deal is so monstrous. Like, I would love to see Blake have a bounce back here. Um, it's really interesting because Casey had an, he did not have an ideal situation with DeMar DeRozan as his star player. Like, this is not a guy who is built for the modern NBA at all. Not, not, not at all one bit. And, you know, you saw it in the playoffs when he flopped on his face again. But, you know, DeRozan, uh, Casey rode him to, you know, a conference title and, uh, a lot of wins over five years. So I'm really curious to see if, if Casey can say, yeah, Griffin's not the floor spacing, rim protecting big that we're used to. This is not an ideal roster. And, like, what can he do? Like, I would be really impressed if this team got back to the playoffs and Blake had a resurgent year, which I think is possible. But, yeah, like, I'm sorry that the Pistons are the spot that they are. <laughs> Condolences. One, one thing I will say before we wrap this up regarding 
Griffin's durability. I think one thing that'll help that is um, last year he started playing more outside, started shooting the three-pointer, um, you know, moving his game farther away from attacking the rim. And I think that is only going to help him stay healthy. I think he's going to play even more from the outside than he had before. Uh, I think Andre Drummond has shown he can handle, you know, rebounding inside, you know, finishing inside. I think letting Blake Griffin handle the ball, just run the offense, be outside shooting from the mid-range or, you know, from the baseline, from the three-point line, I think that'll help his durability overall. I'm going to say I'm going to say that I think the Pistons are going to be back in the playoffs because I want to end this podcast on a good note for the Pistons fans uh, in that note. Yeah, fair, fair enough. All right, well, Josh, I want to I wanna thank you so much for joining me here today. Would you want to plug your Twitter really quick in your work? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Josh Everly. I've got a ton of stuff coming out for Hoop this summer. I've got a fun project uh, I've been working on, redoing the NBA Hall of Fame. Uh, got a column on the Mavericks. I do a podcast, Hot Takes and Shot Fakes, every week. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's enough stuff to spew out at your viewers, and hopefully I haven't offended too many Detroit fans today. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much for joining me today, Josh. Aaron Johnson, wrapping this up here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. We'll see you guys next time.